prioritize learning above all else. And when I say that, examples of that are maybe joining a team versus being on your own. Prioritize putting yourself in an environment where you're going to have access to deals, whether they're yours or someone else's, where that you can learn from them. You can see how other people talk to their clients, how they prospect, how they bring in business. Like, I think that is the single most important thing and it's far more important than money. Obviously, I get it. I was struggling for so long. All I wanted was a paycheck. But the most important thing, like you will exponentially grow your career. And this is such a snowball business that in the beginning, if you do it right, you're going to shorten that time to success, to hitting your goals so much. If you just prioritize learning, apprenticing, like work for free, like do whatever you need to do, but just get access so you can hit the ground running. So the question is this, how do most agents succeed in today's competitive real estate market when all the successful agents are keeping the secrets to themselves? So that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. I interview agents from all over the world. I ask them their tactics, and they share all of their secrets with me so we can give them to the world. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, we're going to have a fun interview today. I've been chatting for a few minutes already with Victoria Velasquez from the agency from Los Angeles, California. Uh, there's so many topics we're going to cover today. She's in a really cool price point, a cool market uh, that people talk about all the time. Victoria, how's it going? Hi, Aaron. It's so good. I'm so excited to be here and do this with you. Yes, I'm so excited that you made it. The um, especially we were going through technical difficulties <laughs> to get this thing started, and uh, and I'm glad we were able to still make it happen today because everybody's going to want to hear what you're talking about. So let so jump. Let's jump into when did you get into real estate? I got into real estate when I was. I remember the day I was. It was I was 29 and like a half. And I wasn't where I wanted to be in my life. And I was at the gym and I was like, my birthday is right around the corner. And birthdays have always been very meaningful to me. And I was like, I can't get to 30. Obviously, 30 is like a big birthday when you're that age. I was like, I can't get to 30 and be in the same place. Like, I need to be somewhere where I feel like I'm in forward motion, be getting closer to that person I want to be in the life I want to have. And I think that day I signed up to get my real estate license. I, it's something I had always thought about, but I just went for it. And then I tried to do it as quickly as possible. It takes a couple of months in California to do all the licensing and the state exam. And yeah, by the time I was 30, I was with a brokerage and I had started. So, the, so you're sitting at the gym and then what, what, what job, what career did you have before that? So I had worked in tech and I had I had kind of moved around a lot. I always was very hungry for growth and learning. So I had always worked for these really cool, super interesting companies. I felt like I learned a lot in every role, but something just wasn't there. Number one, I wanted more autonomy, more independence, which I think most real estate agents want. I wanted more ability to make money. You know, I felt like I was in these jobs where I was getting probably a, a pretty decent salary and maybe having some equity in the company. But I just felt so stifled by getting the same paycheck every two weeks. Like that is just not my personality as much as there's like that friction when you're commission based and you have like that, that little bit of maybe fear and anxiety that you're like, when's my next check? Like that also is such a motivator for me. Like I don't like having ceilings. So I just felt really stuck and 
I was at these cool companies. The, the, the most recent one I had been at had, you know, I really didn't like the person I reported to. I just was like, something's got to change. And I felt a lot of pressure, probably too much to make things happen at a young age. I think we all think success needs to be like instant. And I had always felt that, especially being in tech, when you have these like billionaires that like started a company and are like, you know, so successful by like 22, I was like, I am so behind, you know? Yeah. So it's I was just very eager to make things happen. Was that in in LA or where yeah. were you? Yeah, in LA. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of the, I remember living in Southern California, feeling the same way, feeling like every accomplishment that I had still feeling way behind because there were people that were younger. It was hard to not compare. It, yeah. And in life, it's hard to not compare, but it was hard to not compare and go like, well, they're a few years younger than me and they did that. I own a couple tech companies and we haven't built a unicorn yet. Right. The, we've done yeah. well in the stuff that we're doing, but then we meet these guys, uh, these different people, different times. Like, Oh, we, we started this company last year and we just like 10 X and did something crazy. And it's it. And you're like, wow. So you're out yeah. in LA, you're seeing all that stuff happen. And you also talked about the pro and the con of having a, a W2 job, especially when you get into a high paying job, they talk about like golden handcuffs. You're like, Hey, you, you, it wasn't, it wasn't that you weren't getting paid. Well, it wasn't that you didn't have a cool job. It was that you realized there was a ceiling. Right. A hundred percent. And I was, and basically it felt like it was, my growth was out of my hands. I was like, okay, so every year I can hope for like a bonus and a raise and I can have these like reviews. I, that just doesn't work for my, my personality. Like I felt totally out of control. I'm someone who likes to be very in charge. And so I was like, I need to be, whether I'm failing or succeeding, I want it to be my fault. I want it to be my, my own thing. And so I was really ready to get out of that. And my two paths were like, should I start a tech company or should I get my real estate license? And honestly, the big differentiator was that for a tech company, I was really intimidated by the idea of having to raise capital. I just, for some reason, that was something that just felt really impossible for me at that time and just felt so much slower. And I was like, real estate, I know it's going to be tough in the beginning. And it was. But I was like, I feel like I can make it work. And I just didn't feel as intimidated by it at the time. So what were your like preconceived notions or what was it about real estate before that you were in it? Like, so how did you, how did you know that real estate was a profession? What did you know about it? Yeah. And what made you go like, Hey, that's going to be for me. Well, I think I grew up in Mexico city. My family moved to Arizona when I was 10 and the smaller town called Tucson and there wasn't all these big industries. It wasn't an LA where you have all these different things going on and people starting cool companies. So the big industries there were real estate. And then there was a Raytheon base. So I just felt like it was always around. And I always heard from other people. I had friends, parents who were developers or agents. And I kind of always heard like, oh, you can do really well. I also always heard like, oh, real estate agents are sleazy salespeople. And I definitely had like a thing about it, you know, because I had considered doing it. My major in college was real estate finance. And I thought about doing commercial sales. Yeah. And but I still had that like thing like, oh, no, it's like sleazy. It's salesy, like a car salesman kind of thing. No offense to car salesmen. Um, but that was kind of like I had this weird story about it. And I think I just had to get so fed up with the other elements of my life where I finally, I was like, I'm in LA, I can sell these incredible homes, right? I love interior design. I love architecture. You get to see and like be inside these insane homes. And it just felt like I could do this, right? I can sell luxury real estate. It's, it's more of a meeting of my interests. 
And I also just was like super fed up. I was like, I got something's got to switch. I had a bunch of life stuff happen at the same time too, that really, you know, I had a sister who was terminally ill. I had, you know, I just had some things going on where I was like, this is not going to be my life. And I need something I can grab onto. And real estate just felt like the right thing. You had a moment. Yeah, you, you yeah. had a mo- you had a moment where you're like my life needs a change. We have there you know, the people listening today, or, or there's gonna be people that are having that right. Somebody that, yeah. that is about to quit their job, or thinking about quitting their job, or thinking about you know going all in and uh, and making those shifts. So you went and you went to school for real estate finance. So you learned some about it, and then you yeah. went into to tech. And then you're in LA. You said, okay, now it's time to jump. So it took you two months to get your license. So by the time you were 30 and the, um, yeah, the, the California is one of the easier places to get licensed in the sense that the, all the classes can be online. Yeah. You know, there's, there's waiting periods between them, but like you can take all these classes online. And as long as you like start them, I remember figuring out the fastest way to get it done. It was like four days later, you could start the next class yeah. open book testing. And then you really just had to pass your your licensing exam. So you get that. So now you're 30, almost 30. You get licensed. What do you do first? So I had I interviewed like eight brokerages. I was like, I'm a very thorough person. And I was like, I definitely want to write, figure out the right fit. And I also was really clear on I wanted to be an the type of agent that I could be proud of and that I would want. Right. So because I knew that like agents have this reputation or story, I was like, I need to like break that barrier and that mold. So I really was very, you know, it was very important for me to like find somewhere that I felt reflected that. So I interviewed a ton of people. I ended up choosing Sotheby's actually at first, the manager at the time was this incredible guy who I still know he's now an agent. He was a real estate attorney, just so smart, so polished. I was just so impressed with him and the office he had built. So I ended up choosing him, but I spent a lot of time interviewing and then I was just so eager and ready to go. And I had no in- other income. So I was working in a restaurant at night waiting tables. So seven days a week, I would wake up, I'd go into the office at like 8.30. I'd work there until 4.35. I'd drive to the restaurant, change in my car, work a shift from like 5 to 11 p.m. at night, go to sleep and do it all over again. I have never been more exhausted in my life. But now I look back on that time in my life with like more pride than I think anything else I've ever done because I wanted something so bad and nothing was going to get in the way. I mean, I was physically exhausted. I was struggling emotionally. It was obviously very challenging. I had other stuff going on, but I was like, I am going to do this. And it's just, it was a really amazing, you know, at the time it was very hard, but now I can look back and be like, wow, I am so proud of myself. Yeah. No, you, and you should be like, that's, that's, that's a, such a great example of the hero's journey, right? Of like, just yeah. that's that concept and that idea of doing, doing both of the jobs and the, was there a reason you didn't jump in and say like, Hey, I guess you were doing real estate full-time. I was going to ask like, why, why did you keep working your other job? Why didn't you just do real estate full-time? But I'm guessing LA was expensive. So you're like, I'll yeah, do real no, estate I- full-time and I'll just figure out other ways to pay the bills. Yeah, I could. I paid for my own college. So I had a ton of student loan debt. I never, from when I graduated to when I started real estate, I was never able to get ahead, right? Or have any sort of savings. I was just basically getting by, even though I was at a pretty decently paying job. That was also a big motivator. I was like, I'm never going to be able to pay off the student loan debt if I don't make some serious financial jumps here. So I just was barely getting by and I had to work the job at night. So I was, I was a hundred percent full-time real estate, but I was definitely working, you know, I was working insane hours just so that I could like keep it together for that time. 
Hey guys, a quick commercial break here, but don't worry. This one is only going to run for the next two or three episodes. I talk so much about the mastermind. It's one of my passions, getting everybody to come hang out in Austin where I get to meet you guys. Well, we just had it you know, a few weeks ago and we decided for next year we were going to do pre-sales. We're only selling 70 tickets total for the whole country. And that way we keep it nice and small where everybody meets everybody and the end of it, it's like a big giant family. Well, we put out the pre-sales last week and in the during the pre-sales, we sold more than 60 tickets. So there's less than 10 spots left. 10 spots left if you want to join us for the mastermind for next year. We're putting the date so far out there. You've got no excuses um, to be able to know that the date works. You can put it in your calendar now. And we also set up a payment plan for people to break it up into four easy payments. So if you're one of those people that have thought about going to the mastermind, have never pulled the trigger, now's the time. And it's for it's for March for next year. But you got to go sign up now if you want that spot. I don't like selling. I don't like advertising. So we figured we would knock it out quickly. We'd knock it out you know, this first couple weeks in April for next year. So instead of working on that, we're going to focus on value. If you do join the mastermind, you get to be a, uh, join part of our private Facebook group where we do monthly Zoom calls, where we do tactics on those calls. They're really small. There's like, you know, between 10 and 20 people on those. So you get to ask lots of questions and learn from experts. So if you are interested in signing up, go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind, realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind. Go lock in your ticket. We have less than 10 spots left. You can break it up into four payments. So that way it is much easier to, to be sure to join. And I promise you, it is the least expensive mastermind out there for the type of stuff that we're doing. You know, the GoBundance masterminds that I talk about that I'm a part of cost five times what we do for this. And I try to deliver twice as much value. All right, back to the podcast. Did you go to school in California? Yeah, I went to USC. Awesome. Yeah. So the, um, all right. So how long until you got your first deal? So you're doing that. You're working around the clock. You're going into Sotheby's. You're working in an office doing some sort of, how, how long till your first deal? And how did you get that deal? What was the, what was the lead gen for that one? Yeah. Well, so I was at Sotheby's for a while and I really quickly realized I was like, being on my own is not going to get me to where I want to be fast enough. So within like three months, I had made a few contacts in the business. And this girl that I knew was like, would you ever consider joining a team? I know this amazing guy and he's looking for good agents. And she's like, I feel like you guys would really hit it off. And at first I was resistant because I was like, I got into this business to be independent. Like, why am I going to join a team? But then I realized like, there's no way I'm going to grow as fast as I want to grow or do this as quickly without some sort of support, mentorship, some sort of boost. So I end up meeting with this guy and joining his team. His name's Anthony Margulis. He was the company's called Amalfi Estates. And that was like the best decision I've ever made because I think I joined him. So I probably joined Sotheby's in August, joined Amalfi Estates the day after Thanksgiving. I remember started with them the day after Thanksgiving. And then I think I closed my first deal in the spring. So probably around March. And it was from an open house and he was awesome. He had a huge book of business and a luxury price point. And he let us sit his open houses. Obviously we were members of his team and my first open house ever, I met my first client ever. And we just really hit it off. And I closed a deal with them a couple of months later. So how long, so how long from the time you got licensed was that? So I think I got... By everything was finalized in like August. Okay. And, and you then, closed your deal in like March? Yeah. 
and and the so you're so you're working for a long time right so you're six months in trying to do this stuff you're you go from doing it on your own not really feeling like you had direction to then joining a team yeah to then being able to do some of these open houses you get that first open house lead and that becomes your 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 buyer lead to go somewhere else so after you got that first deal yeah. What was it like for your next, for your next, like for your next year, for your next six months? Were you off to the races once you got No, run? no, it was slow. I think my first year I only closed two deals. Then the year after that, I closed like four and I just kind of kept doubling every year. Fortunately, I'm in a really great price point, but no, it was for the first two years of my, my business and real estate were tough. They were really challenging. I didn't quit the job, the restaurant job yet, because one commission is not going to, you know, be able to give me enough of a runway. Um, I think I quit after maybe the second one. So yeah, those, those were really tough. And I never, I don't think I ever was like, I'm going to quit, but there were definitely moments where I was like, am I going to be able to hack this? Like, am I going to make it in this business? Like it was really, really challenging. Yeah. What, and what price point are you, are you at? So right now, I mean, back then my average price point was probably around 4 million. Now my average price point's higher. It's probably around seven. Cool. Yeah. And the, how many deals are you going to do this year? We're hoping to do, I would say my partner and I are probably hoping to do about 20 or 25 together, but we're, re we're really focused on increasing our price point. Okay. So you're going to keep pushing that price point up. So the, yeah. you know, if you, if you double the price point, you only need to do half the volume anyway. So you try to do 20, yeah. 25 deals, $7 million or more. Um, yeah. So that is, uh, yeah, it definitely is a, a fun price point. There's definitely, you know, lots of challenge pros and cons of getting into luxury stuff. How, so like early on, I'm sure that for that first year or two, super challenging, right? As you're working both the jobs and you're trying to push yourself through there, like the, you mentioned before, as you were talking to me, like, like having this turning point yeah. like in your, where, where you realize like you really had just had to change the way that you were looking at, at everything. Tell me about that. Yeah. I will never forget that moment. I was sitting in my car. I was feeling super down. I had obviously closed a deal here or there, but you know, I think it like two in a year is nothing right. When you're trying to build a successful business, I was still struggling financially and I had a few leads that I felt like were really amazing, but we had a major inventory problem. I was like, I just feel like I cannot connect the dots. I felt like I was just banging my head up against the wall. And what year was I this? Know this was in 20, uh, four years ago. So 2020, okay. no, 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 2019. no, 2019, 2019. So this was in like 2018, 2019. And I had, we had a team coach at the time who was awesome. And I remember just calling him and being like, I am like, like, I was so low. I was like, what am I going to do? And he was like, you need, you are not in the state or mindset of someone who is successful or has abundance or has business. He's like, you just, I can, I can hear it in you. I can feel it in you. He's like, you need to feel. And he's like, it's not about me. It's about you feeling like you can create some business. Like you're a successful agent. He's like, you need to figure something out that will do that for you. And that was such an unlock for me. And I think it's still been a process, but what I was telling you before is like, at this point in my career, I am a hundred percent confident that being successful or not being successful in this business is defined by mindset right? And at the time I was just starting to learn that, right? And this was the first real glimpse into that. And what I did is I basically created some tasks that I could go through. I was like, how can I start being out there and calling agents and, and figure, finding inventory and finding pockets? We do a lot of off-market business in our price point and market. 
So I was like, how, what can I do? Like, I have to be able to do something. And I just like sat down and came up with a whole process for things that worked for me. And I started doing it. And immediately I was like making calls. I had things to do every day, you know, when I came in and even though it necessarily wasn't like I was getting these like leads, I wasn't like getting listing leads. I wasn't maybe doing showings quite yet. Immediately my whole energy shifted. And what I did is I created this method for finding off-market properties, but it, it doesn't matter what the method is. It just has to be something that for you unlocks that feeling of like, I'm a victim. Nothing is working. I'm never going to make it. Why won't anyone buy a house? Why won't anyone write an offer kind of thing to, oh, I'm making things happen. I'm making connections. I'm adding value to my clients. I like am a player in this space. Right. And that was such a big unlock for me that now it's like this toolkit that I go back to. And anytime I'm feeling stuck, which happens, I'm happy to say a lot less frequently, but it happens, right? And now I'm able to snap out of it so quick. Number one, I feel it when it's coming. So it's like learning that awareness of when you're in that negative headspace. And that's not to say like, you can't be bummed. You, you can be frustrated. You can be sad. But if something genuinely isn't working or whatever, like we're humans, but being really aware of yourself and your own bullshit and being like, this is you being a victim and like, you need to get out of it. And then going to approach that or getting some momentum in your business. I even tell, you know, agents that ask me and that, you know, I mentor or whatever, I tell them like, it may not even be real estate related. Like, is there another area of your life that you can get good energy going? Because your whole life blends together, right? Like if it's working out, if it's taking good care of yourself, if it's getting good sleep, if it's throwing an event for your friends and family, if it's getting involved with a charity, like do something that makes you feel successful in some area of your life. And that's going to bleed into other areas of your life. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Andrew Muchastegui and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used Line Desk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow-Up Boss gives you the most integrations mm -hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. 
Follow-up boss has been the best one that we've found. Now I've used follow-up boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. Yeah, the so much of success is, is like this all around life success. Mm-hmm. There's times when people are asking me, like, hey, it's like, like social media, like, why do you share so much about exercise? Like, when you're when you're a real estate investment guy, why do you share so much about like you know saunas or getting IVs or like cryo chambers and all and all the extra stuff? And it's because it all it all works together, right? So my success 100%. as a real estate investor, like has to do with the fact that I can do Ironman races, like all of it, all of it combines together. So I think it's great. So you figured out like, not only was the mindset, like it's having to tell you, like getting into that headspace to go, it's almost like the Tony Robbins type stuff. Go, no, I am successful. No, I am successful. I'm not going to wait for it to happen. I am going to be this person. I think another challenge that a lot of agents do have when they're, when, yeah, you know, when they're starting or really at any time is not knowing what they're going to do today, right? Mm-hmm. Going like, okay, so you're, when you're an entrepreneur, it's really easy to like sit and go, okay, I have to go to work. But if, but if stuff isn't coming at you, right. When we're in like reaction mode, stuff's coming at us. We stay nice and busy. And yeah. sometimes sometimes we get all that off and we forget to go like, okay, now what do we need to do for lead gen or for moving forward? So people are like, what am I going to do for work today? So you came up with a system and you said, okay, now, I, now I at least know what I'm going to do each day. What are, what are like a couple of the daily things you held yourself accountable for in that? Like when you were doing that daily outreach, like what's one or two things you're like, I'm going to start doing this every day. I'm going to start doing this every day. Well, what I was talking about before is actually what I save when I'm just like really in a funk, but I separately a hundred percent have a whole daily checklist that I do every single day. Right. And I find when I start getting like frazzled or whatever, it's because I veered from that. So basically for me, it starts with, I have to have movement in the morning. I have to do some sort of mindfulness, whether it's a meditation or journaling, something to just like get myself centered. I am not someone who's ever been like a 5 a.m. -er. But I did realize I'm like, I need that time in the morning, right? So my natural circadian rhythm is for me to wake up at 649. So I wake up at 649. My aura ring tells me that. So I wake up at that time and I give myself the time, even if it means I start my day a little bit later, like I'm not going to force my body to do something that is not good for it. But I also know the value of those hours where you set yourself up for the day. And then, like you said, I just really try not to be in the reactive place anymore. It's obviously much easier now. I have an assistant. So I'm able to have her be a little bit more reactive to stuff. And I carve out my schedule is firm. Like I have meetings at set times. I have prospecting at set times. And I really don't bend that stuff unless it's for like a really important showing. And otherwise, like all the other reactive stuff gets filled in by either someone else or me when it's the appropriate time. Because if you're constantly reacting, you get out of that flow. So I really try to avoid that as much as possible. So when 2020 hit, you yeah. know, now, and now it now it feels like, you know, now we're in a new season, right? We're in a yeah. new, different season of real estate. But when 2020 hit, those first few months in LA, it had to be pretty rough. 
you know, the, I've got some buddies out there doing real estate. So what was it like and how was your mindset then? Cause I think, I think you had learned your mindset task before yeah. that. Right. And what did you do during those? I don't know the first three to six months before we knew real estate was taking off again, there was a period yeah. of time where it was like the sky is falling. No, a hundred percent. I, it was like the first three months, I would say emotionally, the first couple of weeks were really tough, but really early on my partner, Sarah, who's incredible. And we work together and she's my work wife. We were both like, we're very similar in our drive, our ambition, which is why we work so well together. But we were like, this, this is not taking us down. I think I've had the fortunate or unfortunate that, you know, thing of having some really challenging things in my life up to this point. So I know how to deal. I feel like I'm really good in a crisis. So, and for that was a total crisis, right? I was like, do I need to find a new career? Like I literally yeah. did not know what was going to happen, but I did know that like I was going to give it my best shot to get through it. So we would literally wake up. I've never been more regimented by the way. Whereas I think some people, and this is no judgment on other people. I think some people went the, I'm going to start drinking more. I'm going to eat more. I'm going to like lounge. Like I went the exact opposite. And I was like, I need to do everything in my power to like get through this. So we would wake up at the same time every day. We'd immediately jump on zoom. I'm talking like 7am and we would be on zoom for like 14 hours a day. Cause we, we were separate and we were, you weren't supposed to be together. Right. And so we would literally be on a zoom. We would do a workout together on zoom in our houses. And then we would start our day and we were like, what can we do? First, we reached out to all of our clients and we're just like, we just want to touch base. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're just saying, hi, like, how are you doing? Is there anything we can help you with? And then after that, we're like, we can only do that so much. Like no one is worried about real estate right now. So we're like, what other opportunities can we create for ourselves? And it just so happened that at the time we had the potential opportunity to become a Zillow Flex team, my previous team. And so she and I sort of spearheaded with the team leader, the effort to get approved for that. And so that really took a lot of our time and it was like a great focus. And we were like, whatever we can do to pivot our business that previously we had never really used Zillow leads and we had this very unique opportunity. So we're like, let's go for it. And so that kind of became our focus for those first couple of months. And then by the time, and then we got it. And so by the time things started opening up, we were like off to the races and we had an insane 2020 and 2021. Wow. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of good advice for listeners there right now. We're faced, well, I mean, we're faced with these weird times right now where where in a lot of markets, volume is way down, buying yeah. power is way down. You know, interest rates are affecting commercial really heavily. I mean, I think they're affecting single family, but we've really seen it start to, you know, yeah. affect all sorts of different markets. And so when we're in these kind of tougher markets, people can go, okay, there's a chance to go like feel sorry for yourself. There's a chance to slow down. There's a chance to say, like, do I need to get into anything else? And there's a few things that you said that I think are are great. It, one was it was it, that idea of you said this is not going to take us down. It was a minute to where it's like no, this isn't going to take us down. I I share a lot about like when things are bad, like it's okay to like be sad or be depressed or be frustrated for a little while because that's where lessons come from. Oh, I should 100%. not have bought that deal. I should not have hired that person. I should not have. I should not have done this. We have to learn. So we have to be sad enough, long enough to learn the lesson. But as soon as you've learned that lesson. You owe it to yourself and everybody else to like fix it and go like, okay. And then you said, all right, this is not going to take us down. So what's that effort we're going to do with a couple of our businesses, our, our software related businesses. Um, one of them sells foreclosure leads and all of a sudden foreclosures were nowhere, right? We had thousands mm -hmm. of customers and what we did for the next two months, one of our guys just called every one of our 
members and just said, Hey, how are you? Yeah. Like, we don't have a product to sell you right now. Like, yeah. are you going to cancel your subscription? And, and it was like, there were some people that were like, can you, can you pray for me, Jack? At the end of the day, he'd be like, these are the six people that asked me to pray for them. Yeah. Like when I was <laughs> yeah. calling them, like it, it was so much outreach that we did over those two months, but yeah. like, there's work that you can do during the slow times. And then when everything came back, everybody was like, they still talk to us about like Jack praying for them, you know, in yeah. April, 2020 to help them get like how much we cared. So in these slower times right now, if people are facing the slower times, like what you guys did for beginning of 2020, start working on that next thing, start figuring out what can we do different? What can we add in? Because when the market turns again, like they, it always does, we don't, you never know if it's going to be a three months, six months, 10 years, whatever stuff. So we get these cycles in real estate. But it does turn. And when it turns and you're ready, those are some of the best st stories I've heard from people that were you know, growing their business, their real estate businesses in uh, 2010, 2011. And then when the market changed in 2012, they had a bunch of the market share. So you were building yeah. up that stuff that you had a great 2020. Now, what about the like luxury price points, right? So you're yeah. in like a $2 million price point, but now, or you were, and now you're in a $7 million price point which is high, but that's not your average LA price point, right? You're doing luxury stuff in LA. How did you get into luxury so quickly? I went, I mean, I went direct. I knew that that is exactly what I wanted to do. And I think that again, is like a limiting belief people have. I think people think they have to like work their way up and, and there's definitely a way to do that. But I was very clear from the beginning. I was like, I'm not getting into this business to not sell luxury homes. I am a luxury real estate agent. So I cultivated every decision I made was with that intention, choosing the Sotheby's in Brentwood, which is a really nice neighborhood in LA with that particular manager was all intentional. It all was luxury, right? It's a Sotheby's is a luxury brand. It was in the neighborhood I wanted to sell in. The manager was like, who you would hire if you were selling a luxury home, right? Everything about that. He was highly educated. It, you know, it just all fit the package. When I transferred to a team, again, it was the top team in this other like adjacent luxury market. And I knew that working under that team leader would help me bridge that gap really quickly. That's also why I decided to make the switch. I was like, most, you know, people may not trust me. I'm brand new in the business. I'm, you know, I've only been in here a year. I was, I wasn't 22. I was 30, but still I probably read young. And I was like, I know I need someone who can, I can leverage off of their experience and their knowledge. And so I could sit his open houses, his open houses were everywhere from, you know, 2 million on the low end up to 20 million. So I was like, I know I'm going to get access to these clients. So I think I was just very intentional from the beginning. And again, I didn't allow myself to fall into the mindset of like, I have to start with condos or I have to start with something like why? I think so many people like just question these beliefs you have if they're limiting you, like there's always outliers, you know, and you talked about the market right now. Yeah, we're in a funky market right now. And like during COVID, I think the thing that I'm thinking right now is like, I am going to be the outlier. There's going to be a lot of agents who are struggling right now. And I get it. I get why. But like, you have to think that you are the one who can be different because there's always people who are successful, no matter what the circumstances on the outside. Like there are always people that come out on top and you just have to want to be one of those people. Hey, real estate rock stars. We only have a few minutes left in this episode, but before we get to the grand finale, I just want to say as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You know, podcasts are obviously free. You don't have to pay to listen to the podcast, but if you could pay one thing, if I could charge you one thing 
to listen to this podcast, what I would ask you to do is go, please make a review. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on YouTube or on Apple or Android, wherever you listen to podcasts and go give me a review of the podcast. I read them. I listen to them. I try to make adjustments. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a ton of bad reviews on the sound quality or the number of advertisements, things like that. And I've really tried to dial in to add value for all of you guys. So please, please, please go do a review. If you want to get a, a copy of the toolbox of the stuff that you know, everybody that comes on the show, they give us some tactics. They give us something that we put in what we call our toolbox. And so to get that, you go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com. When you get there, click on the, the toolbox and you get access to the free gift that every person that we interview on the episode provides. There's things like, you know, uh, listing tactics, how to do a presentation, you know, how to do a newsletter, all sorts of cool, fun stuff. And if you want to talk to me, go find me on Instagram at Aaron Amuchastegui. Ask me a question. I talk to so many of you guys on there. All right, back to the show. Thanks again for being a listener. I love that. I love, I love the mindset. I love that idea and the confidence and the, I, I know there's been so many times in my life where I remember going through periods of time and then having that shift to go like, no, when, the moment you say, I'm going to get through this, I'm going to survive this. I'm going to find that next solution. It's just the way the universe works. Yeah. It's it just, it's like, it's like just right at the next corner. Like as, as soon as, as soon as the mindset happens, it's like, no, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to be the outlier is probably the biggest thing people should always think about. Houses will transact every day. Every single day. You know, even when there's less, like there is way less happening. We saw some, like some counties in in Texas that that are doing like 15% of the volume they were doing a year ago, month over month, but there's still stuff transacting. Exactly. So so as I I was telling some people, if your business is down less than 65%, like you're actually gaining market share, right? If you're- If you're doing the volume you did last year, that means you've gotten huge with your business. So I think one of the skill sets you said you have is learning from like, as you've tried to expand your business and make Mm -hmm. your company better, like you're not just learning from real estate. Like, so knowledge is a huge thing, right? Early in your career, you got knowledge from the people whose team you were on, you know, from doing the open houses, from like hanging out with people doing the luxury stuff. How are you educating yourself now to keep improving on your business? Yeah, I think I always, one, I'm obsessed with learning and I love podcasts. I love audiobooks. And I, there's a lot of other industries. I've worked in other industries. I think that was a big component coming over from the tech space into real estate. I was like, wow, these industries are so different. So I was able to apply a lot of the stuff I had previously used into my business. And obviously, given my clientele, I get exposure to, you know, these really cool entrepreneurs, people who have founded really interesting companies. So just by nature, as real estate agents, we get access to so much more information than the average person, right? We're not siloed in our business because we get to meet all these really dynamic people who are our clients. So I think I always have had an interest in that. And I always feel like, I think it's, I think it's problematic if you get too stuck in your own lane and have blinders on, especially in real estate where we're an industry so ripe for disruption and people are coming in from the outside to make big, big changes. And so having that awareness of like, what's going on in the world around me? What are other industries and businesses doing that's really cool and innovative? So I just like to follow the stuff I like to follow. I love tech. I love fashion. I love beauty brands. And I will see what they are doing and try to apply it to my business. And I also feel like that's what helps me stand out, right? Like I want my clients to know that I'm like a little bit different, that I do things in a cool way that, 
I have this diverse background and I feel like those are ways that I can show how I do it. You know, an example is uh, the founder of Skims. He's not as public as Kim Kardashian, but he's her partner and, and they've built this billion dollar company, which people can say what they want about Kim Kardashian, but that's huge, right? So he is, he was formerly, he's owned a few businesses. He was in the ad space. One week I heard him speak in an interview and I was so impressed and I went and I read everything he had ever like been interviewed about. I listened to every podcast he'd ever done. And there's not that much out there, but probably 10 of them. And I was just like obsessed with learning everything because he was just such an intelligent business person and entrepreneur. And I was like, what can, there's gotta be huge takeaways for me and my business. And one thing that he talked about that he was like, we always ask ourselves the question, like, are, do we have permission to do this in our business or are we giving our clients what they want from us? Right. And I think that's a really interesting thing to ask yourself as a, an agent who were in client services. It's like, are we giving our clients everything that they want? Or am I doing what I think an agent should be? But like, is it different from what they want? Am I staying in my lane in the right way? Am I doing things that maybe like feel out of the lane for them? Like just having that awareness, that was like a really interesting point that I took away. But I think anyone like find other industries and businesses that you feel passionate about, listen to those entrepreneurs and try to like better yourselves and apply that to your business. Cause we have the flexibility to do that in real estate. It's awesome. Yeah. We get to, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a business where you can be your own entrepreneur like you can be your own, but you can essentially, you run your own business. You as a person get to be your own business. You're an entrepreneur, but there's also like a blueprint to do the business. There's ways yeah. that work that you can learn. There's very yeah. few like companies that you can start where there's a blueprint that could actually work in the same city with the same people. Like you can, you can find somebody doing the exact yeah. same business as you in the same town. You guys can now copy each other directly and still do really well. Like very few you know businesses out there. There's the, um, you know, the story of Priceline got started when, uh, you know, Jeff, I've seen him speak at, at some events we've done a few different times, but he was looking at like, uh, he was studying, he was like reading the paper and learning about different markets and learning about how much, how many, like essentially vegetables and bread and stuff that grocery stores were selling, were throwing away every day. Wow. Yeah. It was like lost product. And he was thinking, man, there's a huge problem in the world with lost product. And if people could figure out how to monetize and, and it essentially, so then some of the companies start selling like the day old bread and like the different things. Well, he, he figured out Priceline with that same concept of he said, there's nothing less valuable than an empty seat on an airline. Wow. Right? And so he started, so he was, he was studying like, yeah. what was his next startup going to be? Yeah. He was studying like grocery stores and was like, wait, he had some experience with the airline industry because he had invented the kiosks for people to do like get their print out their boarding pass. And was like, oh, I'm going to take this thing that I just learned from groceries compared to what I learned from that and go start Priceline. So learning from other businesses is huge, right? Some yeah. of the biggest businesses out there as they get to see that. So I think that's really, really smart. There's um, there's several podcasts I like to listen to that are all different industries as well. And I, I like to figure out how I, how I can bring it back, you know, kind of um, this is, this has been an, an awesome podcast. I want to, I want to kind of rapid fire into a couple more things. Cause I think we're, we've probably talked too long, but hopefully yeah. listeners are, are <laughs> hopefully listeners are loving this as much as I have. So what advice would you give a brand new agent? So somebody that's trying to start out right now, trying to go grow their business. What's the first thing they should be doing when it comes to either their, their daily habits or what we are, or what should they, what advice would you give them when they're just getting started? What do they need to know? Yeah, I would say prioritize learning above all else. And when I say that examples of that are maybe joining a team versus being on your own, 
prioritize putting yourself in an environment where you're going to have access to deals, whether they're yours or someone else's, where that you can learn from them. You can see how other people talk to their clients, how they prospect, how they bring in business. Like, I think that is the single most important thing. And it far more important than money. Obviously I get it. I was struggling for so long. All I wanted was a paycheck, but the most important thing, like you will exponentially grow your career. And this is such a snowball business that in the beginning, if you do it right, you're going to shorten that time to success, to hitting your goals so much. If you just prioritize learning, apprenticing, like work for free, like do whatever you need to do, but just get access so you can hit the ground running. Yeah. I really, really like that. We can be, you got to learn, put yourself in the right spot. Cause then you get to be whoever you want to be right in this yeah. industry. Like they're like, one of the things you said before was a no two agents are, are alike, like figuring out what your niche is and, and mm-hmm. how you want to build your business, learn from other people and then take it to where you want to go. Victoria, a lot of people are going to want to learn more about you. They're going to want to go like ask you questions. You're going to, people are going to call you, try to send you referrals or (laughs) or learn more about what you're doing. What's the best way people can come find you, learn more about you? Yeah. Well, my Instagram is Victoria Velasquez, my first and last name. Also my partner, Sarah and I, who I talked about earlier, we have an awesome program. If you want to learn more about how we built our businesses, it's sort of what we wish we had back in the day. It's called the course RE. We're currently in our spring cohort. We only do it twice a year. So we'll be doing one in the next couple of months, but that Instagram, the course RE, we put in a lot of content. We're going to be doing more and more continuing education that will all be totally free for people if they want to learn more about how we do it and how we built our businesses in a way that we really love and don't feel like we'll ever burn out from. So that is awesome. Well, yeah. I just found you on Instagram. So the, um, and I, and I see your links on there too. So to uh, so at the course RE is your Instagram handle, um, at, or is the other one for the course that yeah. you're doing plus Victoria Velasquez. Well, Victoria, this was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, um, you liked coming on here. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing what you know with our guests. It was awesome. Thank you so much, Aaron. I am so, so grateful. This is truly amazing. So glad to have you real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.